Welcome to episode 225 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again today by my uh, disposable co-hosts, Peter and Jake. Yeah, great. You could just toss us into the trash like uh, one of those little cameras. Well, normally I tie the adjective into the movie we're reviewing. Or whatever we're doing <laughs> for the feature. That's good. And since this is perhaps the most disposable action movie I've ever seen, and I have seen many, uh, that's that's what I came up with. Yeah, just like uh, Steven Seagal himself, uh, <laughs> Cartels is disposable. Did and- you know that Cartels was one of seven movies that Steven Seagal starred in in that year? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were all shot at the same time. That's why he was only in the movie for 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. This is the best. I I think you should rate Seagal movies based on the amount of time Steven Seagal is in the movie. And I don't know where this racks up, but I think it's towards the towards the top end. There's there's some interesting statistics in this one. Um, just to just as a teaser, as a teaser for those tuning into the controversy vending machine edition of the cast. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Press a number, get a controversy. Comes out 100% every time. There uh, will probably be some controversy about this episode. Little do you know how inflammatory my Half-Life 2 review is going to be. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> That's 125. You need a you need a dollar coin for those. Um, <laughs> no, to give a teaser of, of cartels, uh, I looked, I counted, and it was um, three minutes until someone said a word. A whole word. Uh, <laughs> then it was ten minutes until I saw Steven Seagal standing for three consecutive seconds. And then it was how long was the movie? Uh, it was it an hour and forty minutes. It was one hundred minutes. It was that many minutes before Steven Seagal enunciated a word properly. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to run back a couple of his lines to make sure I heard it right. <laughs> I put on closed captioning like five minutes in because I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. I, and of I course, can't wait to talk about As his, always, his we're coming at you live from an interrogation room where the man himself, Steven Seagal, should be coming in any second with a carrot to, uh, to, to ask us questions about uh, a possible prisoner escape or some shit, whatever the fuck the plot of this movie was. <laughs> Whoa. What's his what's his style that he's the master of? Aikido. Aikido, uh, right. which is generally recognized as being the least useful martial art for self-defense, as it is easily defended by anyone who knows a different style of martial arts or any human being who just resists will be able to outmaneuver. <laughs> A master Aikido practitioner. See, I thought I thought that was the name of his diet that he was on, where he takes his Aikido. spin of the keto diet, except just something. It's all carbs. It's all, it's the all carbs. carbs. Carbs and no fat. protein, no fats, <laughs> oh, just all carbs. carbs. <laughs> just spaghetti. It's the diet. That explains a lot. He wakes up in the it morning, really breaks off some dry barilla, just. <laughs> <laughs> Man's teeth are I, like iron. I'm just imagining. No, he would gum it. I'm imagining Stevens like gumming a handful 
of fucking rotini, just <laughs> eating it like peanuts. Oh yeah. Oh, he get, he's like, oh, I got one stuck in there. Oh. <laughs> like the peanut brittle, and it's like stuck in the back of your back molar, and you can't get it out. My saliva. That's why he was. That's why he was gumming his lines for most of the movie. He's like, hey, it made sure. And then, then somebody asks him why he's eating raw pasta, and he says, "My saliva is the temperature of boiling water, and I just have to suck on it for seven minutes, if I want it al dente." Do we? Uh, no, I have I have several questions that I can ask, but I will wait till after our segments when we get to our feature. Uh, the first segment we have, which is uh, it's a hot one. It's a hot one. We're starting out on it's Trey Watch, where we review the trailers of the week. For you, yeah. So we'll we'll jerk the curtain back a little bit. Uh, normally we record Saturday morning, but we are recording Friday night due to reasons. And, do you want another reason? Uh, I do. You want to air it live on? Yeah, sure. Show? I mean, it, the the cat's gonna be out of the bag tomorrow, so sure. Fuck it. Oh, is that where you go? You gotta go catch your cat. I gotta go catch a cat. Uh, up in Pennsylvania, I heard it was running around, and uh, they were like, "Free cat! If you can catch it, they pre-greased it and everything, so it should be a challenge." Just kidding. Uh, He's I, uh, an expert cat wrangler. Though. <laughs> expert cat wrangler. I got, I got my equipment. I'm, you know, it's good to set off at night. That's why I'm leaving tonight uh, to get him in the wee hours of the morn <laughs> to track him. <laughs> what is? They're sleeping. most active. They're nocturnal. <laughs> Just put out a can of tuna, they'll eventually come around. <laughs> Watch out for Neil Breen's, though. Yes. You also get the occasional you also, Neil Breen. And you'll Neil, get the occasional Breen. Yeah. <laughs> the occasional Breen and Breen impersonator will uh, you know, come around. You just have to shoo them away with uh, some laptops. You have to throw some computers at them, and then they, they freak out. <laughs> um, I am, I am uh, proposing to my girlfriend tomorrow morning. Tomorrow afternoon. So uh, spoilers. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So she doesn't listen to this show, right? Oh no, she listens all the time. Does that make you happy? (laughs) No, no, no. From the other room, Jake. What was that? Huh? I just don't want. I just don't want this show to to go up before you actually do it. No. And then her to find out through this podcast. Oh no, she won't. She won't. She won't. That, that sounded ominous as fuck, dude. She won't. You have until I'm three sure. o'clock on I'm Saturday. Sure. I keep tabs of all of her accounts, make sure I track her internet and uh, her phone activity. So I'll shut that shit down if I see it go to Saturn Suds podcast. <laughs> Be like, no. Donnie says, stop. Donnie says, no. <laughs> um. So anyway, the secrets that we keep, like Jake uh, is very bad at keeping secrets. I've been trying. I've been holding on to that secret for a long, long time. I've actually told a lot of people. You've you, you've told us pretty much, hmm. uh, not in so many words, but we're smart. Um, <laughs> so the secrets that you keep, it's about a woman who uh, kidnaps the Swish dude, Swiss dude, Swish dude, Swish dude. Freeze. Uh, he is a good basketball player. I, I, I know this. I feel it in my heart of hearts. Um, because she thinks he's a Nazi that, that tormented her family. And now she's become Kathy Bates in misery. It's basically Are the same thing. Are you saying we get old people torture? I, I, not, not that old. Does she but take it's, out it's his artificial hip? It's just death in the maiden. 
uh, redone. Yeah, but I think there's a weird, like, spin on this that um, it uh, she was it the Nazi might, all along. Well, it might cause some controversy because the husband uh, like does not believe her, um, or does not isn't fully sold on this being the right guy. Like she believes her story, but she's not sure if this is the right guy. Um, and I don't know. I, I just, I feel like, um, this might rub people the wrong way. If it, if there's a lot of that, like brushing off of her story being like, Oh, I'm sure it happened, but this definitely isn't the right guy. Well, they show like, in the trailer, I mean, honestly, this trailer is a three-minute cut of the movie, mm-hmm. so uh, thanks for saving me the time. Uh, but they show that he's going through, like, records, and he, he pulls up, you know, papers that show that he's, like, a Swiss national, or at least has papers to indicate as such. Uh, they're, they're trying to frame it as a caper, like, what's real, what's not, uh, but ultimately, I don't really care. <laughs> My, I for one yeah. can't wait until the parody comes out the sneezes you keep where a girl captures a snazi that's the children's version that's it. yes that's it um, I'm sad that no one has ever used the term snazi to my knowledge in the in the wider culture you're the first you should, you should get yourself down to the patent office give me a, a medal made of pure nose gold Fucking Nazis with their runny noses. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure this it'll probably like try to sow some seeds of doubt and be like, you know, maybe he is German. He had dual citizenship. Hmm? Otherwise, if if they don't, because like they, they basically sold it off in the trailer. They said they were like, all right, he's not actually the guy. He's Swiss. He's not the right. He didn't do anything wrong. He's too Italian. He can't be Swiss. I know. He somehow gets a gun. Who knows? There's a lot of conflict. We'll see what happens. That's that's a, that's a callback that Jake didn't understand, but he I couldn't. appreciate that you went with the flow anyway. <laughs> I'll try. I try every now and then. I try. Uh, Peter popped. You can see it on the court. Peter popped. For that. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I fell out of the frame. Um, uh. Peter, do you have any special trailers from your your hell dimension that you <laughs> dredged up? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, well, the the big one for me that's relevant to us, um, that I actually watched because there's there's one that's uh, Superman the Man of Tomorrow. I haven't seen that yet. Um, but it's just all I know is there's Superman fights Lobo in that one. Mm-hmm. But no, let's uh, let's talk about the. Uh, the Snyder Cut. It's coming out. Snyder Cut. So there is a tweet that is a teaser for the teaser because the teaser is coming out Saturday the 22nd. But they are they released a short video that's teasing the teaser. And it's going to be available on the DC Fandom, which is the new version of DC Universe is no longer um it's no longer i don't know is dc universe still up we have I, a subscription I think so think so to uh, my knowledge let's take i uh, now i haven't taken a close look at what the dc 
dome is. That's uh, I'll, I'll do a quick, short Google right in front of your very eyes. I did, I did see something where they were they were trying to push, trying to pedal uh, uh, the the Fandome brand name. I did not know that that was replacing DC Universe, uh, unless it's I, just a renaming thing. But I, I would hope that it's just a rebranding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I'm on the app right now, and everything seems to be yeah. in order. So yeah, they they came out with like a 23 second yeah DC fandom a global experience. Weird. Anyways, they came out with like a 20 second trailer teaser teaser trailer to it, and uh, I mean, it really doesn't show you much of like anything. Oh, it's a virtual convention. Um, I see. It's Wait, what is it's it? DC's convention that they're holding online. Oh. Oh, okay. You know, one they all the major political parties have one. So the Democrats <laughs> went last week, and then it's DC, then the, the Republicans, DC, then, then the DNC. <laughs> They're really helping people like mistype the DNC and come up with DC convention. <laughs> and then, and then, like six weeks, like two weeks before the election, and like a weird paid programming time slot, you'll have the Dark Horse Comics convention. <laughs> The yeah. DHC followed by the THC, THC, which is the Green Party, followed by the, uh, followed by the THX, which is weird because THX <laughs> usually comes at the beginning, uh, so that you ensure that you can't hear anything for the rest of the movie. It's just that you scared any small children in your theater away. It's is just two THX days of that even around movie? still. I don't think not really. They I think they dropped out of the big ones. I don't. I think Sony and and Dolby sort of uh, broke through to the next layer there. Um, I was never like so. There's this meme that like THX was this traumatizing sound, and I never. Uh, it was it was never like scary to me. I mean, it was loud. I, loud noises are upsetting to a lot of people. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't remember being. Tra- it, you got me hyped when I saw the THX logo come out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to see some shit. And then I I sang the THX logo with my with my chorus once and it's weirdly quarterly impressively dense it's very it's because there's some notes that go down and there's some notes that go up and it's a chord that goes and it's like what's happening so actually there are even i don't know if they released one for one day ago uh but they they released one a couple days ago they said in two days and then they released one today being like tomorrow and so they have another teaser which is another 20 seconds of like just little flashes of of like what it's gonna be and it with no context it's just like here's your superhero standing in a room that you might know might not know looks like a spaceship <laughs> I, here's I the think flash is again this is one of those movies where like under under normal rules of of nature it would come out in a theater they would try and push it into a theater or something and it would be weird and it wouldn't have a good release but the the consequences we find or the uh the situation we find ourselves in yes um are like perfect because now they can release it on streaming and lose none of the integrity that they were they're trying to go for because this is very much a like this is very much like a a premium sort of event. So so here's the thing about this, right? 
is that this is one of the big selling points they pushed with HBO Max. And HBO Max ain't doing so hot. In fact, it's doing so poorly that two top executives in Warner Media Company got shit canned because of its poor performance. So they were they're really banking hard on all these fucking, you know, DCEU apologists uh, to drive up their subscription numbers with the Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Which is why I think there's credence to Jake's theory that this will be a miniseries mm-hmm. released over several, uh, a long period of time because they want to get extra subscription money from people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, much like why uh, Disney Plus released. Well, I don't know when. I don't know when Mandalorian came out for Disney Plus, but like that was big into the, uh, you know, releasing episodically every week, um, just so people didn't get like their their one free week in and then they're done. Um, it was like hold on to your subscription for at least a couple months so you can see it's an entirety. Um, and yeah, and, and I think that's what we're gonna get here. Um, it's just, I don't, it's cause it's, it's much more digestible too. Right. And I think it's easier to cut together. If you think about like all the stuff that he has shot, it doesn't make sense that that is going to be coherent right out the bat. But if you segment it into different parts, uh, into episodes, it'll still stuff, be incoherent. It'll just be easier to watch. Easier to watch. Yeah, you're gonna be like, okay, what's this episode about? Okay, and you don't have to worry about transition. So it's like a cheap shot too to like uh, pin it all together. I like the way you think, Jake. So I, I think they're kind of killing two birds with one stone, making a four-hour movie easier to digest over time, while also creating hype and also. Uh, keeping people in the subscription hell that we find ourselves in today <laughs> with all of our making your way on the net today it takes all the money you got yeah do, do. so we uh, thought it'd be cheaper than cable <laughs> we thought where everybody knows we right your credit card dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Everybody, no, you can keep everybody knows your name and home address too. <laughs> and they're always glad you paid. Do, do, do. <laughs> that's that's all I know of the cheers. Cheers. The streaming oh, God, service. It's just all cheers. I feel <laughs> it. There is. I almost feel like the office should have just tried. They should have tried to make their own just pure office streaming service. Isn't that basically what Peacock is? I think so. They're taking. Although you should be able to watch Thirty Rock on there, right? Yeah. Like so. Here's the thing about these very narrow, specific um, streaming services. At least right now, there are existing streaming rights contracts owned by other services for example 30 rock is still available on hulu and i believe will be at least through 2022 so if you're a big 30 rock person and you would otherwise like consider peacock if it had 30 rock no need hulu's on there and it's got like eight other networks that have their content on there like the excellent mike tyson mysteries you should all watch mike tyson mysteries it's fucking great um, and, uh, you know, the same is true for things like Seinfeld. Seinfeld's on Hulu. So, like, all these hit 
and then it's coming to Netflix too. So uh, all these really hit shows that these network uh, dependent, like you know your CBS All Access, your your Peacock, uh, HBO Max, I guess, but that has a bigger, slightly bigger umbrella. Uh, they're they're all very narrow, and a lot of their key pieces are able available to watch on the the big three your prime your hulu your netflix i think we can all agree that those are the big three streaming services i would say so so it really demotivates you from uh investing in these other streaming services especially in hbo max which costs more than any of them unless you're a snob like me and have to have the 4k netflix uh <laughs> which costs 17 dollars mm-hmm mm-hmm um, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, um, maybe we'll see a future where HBO Max starts to get offered in cable packages a little bit more, or phone packages, which there probably already is. Uh, interestingly enough, it's available as an add-on to your Hulu. I've seen that, yes. I can it's see. the same price, hmm. but you just get billed from one one singular source. Hmm. Nifty. Um, maybe over time, maybe if maybe if Hulu starts to like see that there is some interest in HBO Max and their library gets you know pumped up with a little bit more exclusive stuff, uh, Hulu will start to maybe um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of uh, kind of care, shoulder some of that cost and uh, give you a discount for getting HBO Max and maybe that's maybe that's a little bit of an incentive to push a lot of people maybe. over the edge. So like. The Disney owns a majority stake in Hulu now, uh, just by virtue of owning ABC, Fox, and uh, a couple other net- networks uh, that make up Hulu. So uh, I don't foresee, unless they can work out some sort of a deal with uh, AOL Time Warner or whatever the company is now, um, to to subsidize the cost. I don't foresee them offering a bundle because right now they do have the bundle because they own ESPN as well. So it's ESPN, Hulu, and Disney Plus for uh, $12.99 or more, depending upon what add-ons you put to your Hulu. That made me chuckle because, like, I'm thinking of, of, like, how long until we just see our streaming services start to become cable packages? Because now you can get Disney, Hulu, ESPN... Uh, hey, maybe they could strike a deal with HBO. That's four things in one package, possibly, that we could see eventually. And maybe that's Disney's endgame, is that we come up with a deal so sweet for premium price with all these bundled in to try to snuff out Netflix. Because now people are like, well, i got to start to trim the fat somewhere. Mm-hmm. I have... I think- Four streaming services so over here. I, I think I, I kind of agree with you there, Jake. So maybe my my idea on this in relation to yours is uh, what they'll do is the the field, the, the industry will get degenerate and uh, price margins, profit margins will get increasingly thin. It's a race to the bottom sort of deal, right? Race to be cheapest. But mm-hmm. Disney has the capital um, or at least the size to just fucking go for it. They're, yeah. They'll play chicken with anybody, uh, and they'll give the sweetheart deal, 
they'll pull everyone and once you kill off the once you strangle the the edge case and you thin down the market a little bit then they can just make that pro- make those margins roaring back and jack up those streaming prices yeah. oh we're going so, up a dollar or two here i think we're in the beginning we're in the stages that are going to determine whether or not this is something that can happen. So HBO Max is struggling mightily. So we're starting to see, and I don't think CBS All Access or Peacock are doing very well either. So we're starting to see that there's a there's a carrying capacity for streaming services on the open market. And if consumers reject these, you know, piecemeal uh, build your own cable package essentially uh streaming services all these companies that hold the rights to this content uh, are going to have to acquiesce and get accept less money to go under a larger umbrella of one of the bigger streaming services could be disney's umbrella could be amazon's umbrella could be netflix's umbrella uh but if people enough people uh, eventually, if they like, you know, sweeten the pot a little bit, or some cool exclusive content comes out, if enough people uh, say, you know what, uh, what's another ten bucks a month? What's another fifteen bucks a month? And they buy into these, then we are probably going to see like, you know, here's your streaming package. It's ninety nine dollars a month, and you get access to these services with this content library. Yada yada yada. But I think we're not going to see that just because you reach a point where there's too much content. And I think we're already at the, past that point, oh, quite honestly. Sure. Because mm-hmm. like even just the streaming services we have, there's just so much content where you just have like uh, analysis paralysis and you don't know what to fucking watch. And you just like spend a month scrolling through the library being like, oh, that looks interesting. That looks interesting. But never actually watching anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like I have, I have, I would have no time to watch all the new shit that's on, on a uh, on Netflix and mm-hmm. anywhere. There's, there's and, too much stuff. There's too much content. I have to like cherry pick what I want to watch. Yes, I, I definitely agree there. Um, and a lot of it's just garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, yeah. I will dovetail this all this stuff into a weird segue because this week I did in fact do a free trial of hbo max i'm planning to only do the free trial because i only want to watch one show um and that is a late show with elmo i should probably do that too before it expires um (laughs) it was it's infinity train book three you've heard my review on the second and first books this one is just goes on and it's it's been even better i i think there's like two episodes left and the whole series finishes up on thursday they're, I know they're trying for a fourth season, but it's kind of wavering on that point. But either way, uh, I would, again, highly recommend the season. Uh, I'd recommend you watch all three. It's very bingeable, very watchable. And I can run through the whole thing and not have to pay the fucking $15 for the month for the one thing I want to watch. So there's a, there's a free trial going on right now? Seven days. Um, I, I might want to do that because I, I actually kind of want to check out close enough. If you want to do that, we could. Well, this is a discussion for offline, but yes, the great streaming collective needs behind. to deliberate on how to coordinate our free trials because we have 
four emails between us, and I'm ar- I'm already using mine. We can possibly get a fifth. I I know a person who might might be able to uh to give us a, a fifth week. <laughs> I'll start We've coming got, up with junk emails. We got five rounds in the chamber emails. here. I'll I'll bring out my my old Jeezy Crazy sixty nine at AOL. This is fucking <laughs> <laughs> fucking Russian roulette with email addresses here. This uh, is this is what happens do, streaming services. We do still have some other trailers I want to briefly touch <laughs> yeah. on. Uh, we have Death on the Nile, which is another adaptation of a Hercule Perot Agatha Christie mystery. Um, I was like, this is a ripoff of Murder on the Orient Express. And then I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> was um, I did give a favorable review to the more recent Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, looking back on it, I don't know if I would give it the same score i think i gave it a 6.3 i i would probably uh maybe give it a six even uh thinking on it a little more uh it wasn't terrible but i don't know that i'm super excited to uh to see a, a follow-up to that although it's treading new ground like i for some reason i think murder on the orient express was the only uh agatha christie novel to ever receive a like big time adaptation like there have been others i'm sure like made for tv like hallmark channel or whatever <laughs> but uh in terms of like the star power that both uh murder on the orient express has had uh not not quite for their novels although this they really kind of scraped i don't want to say they scraped the bottom of the barrel but compared to the first one the star power is definitely lacking uh I mean the the headliners are Gal Gadot and Army Hammer, which, uh, well, not small names are not exactly the heavy hitters of uh, Murder on the Orient Express. I'm trying to pull up who who is the, uh, the big hitters. I mean, I mean the the first one had had Johnny Depp. It had uh, James Duty Dench, uh, Willem Dafoe, I believe, was in that movie as well. Interesting. Daisy Ridley, Leslie Odom Jr., uh, uh, I have to go to the Seafall cast. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Yeah, Penelope Cruz, Wilma Defoe, Judy Dench, yeah. Johnny Demp, Josh Gad, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Daisy Lid- mm-hmm. Ridley, Tom Bateman. A uh, lot, of, lot of star power. Just like the, the one prior, I think, had like Frank Sinatra and other guys in there. Um, it's a classic story and you can just no one feels bad about being in it unless you're trying to do some off the wall insane adaptation yeah you like uh, it's like it's like Batman movies you know you're, most people are like yeah I want to be Batman unless you're George Clooney in which case that didn't work out so well I, yeah George Clooney did not really care about being Batman he was just there to collect a paycheck Look, the, the thing that excites me about this movie um, is that I just hope there's going to be an extended universe of some sort of death, murder, <laughs> killing. What are some other uh, famous Hercule? You're uh, aware uh, that there was an author, Agatha Christie, and she wrote a no. series of novels no. starring Detective Hercule Perot, correct? No, I, I, no, I did not know that. 
well yeah uh, it's like the uh like the french it's like french uh sherlock holmes almost Even yeah except it was they, written like, they by don't... a young english woman they don't put any uh any like super uh real clues and then it's just the detective comes up with a conclusion that is not really hinted at in the bulk of the book out of nowhere so I you kind of get a little frustrated she has a few me. books written I, I see she has a few books yeah it's like you a know, lot of just... them deal with death so <laughs> they have a, a lot of source material apparently um, what, what time period death. was she alive for was she writing in I want to say the 40s oh okay but like you can't just go back to a train, you can't, like you have to go. Or, so is there a plane one now? Like, uh, the killing on the plane. I don't know. I'm just rambling off. Someone died. Like there was like venom poisoning on on the aircraft, and they find out that it was snakes on a plane. Yeah, I was about to say that there were some snakes. Uh, uh, actually, apparently, it seems like the twenties were when she did her. Yes. Uh, the mysterious affair, the yeah, the mysterious affair at Styles was the first uh, book featuring Hercule Poirot, and was published in 1920. Okay, but the mysterious affair isn't a death, Agatha, Ag Agatha Christie. You know, you gotta have a death, killing, follow your trend. Man, like thank, like thanks killing. Did I mean, Agatha if, Christie if write thanks first, killing? If that's her first book. Then there's no trend to follow. I don't care. I don't. She should have had this shit planned out. Line graphs go both ways. Come on now. Oh, what? It? Oh, then 22 years later, she's like, "Fuck it, forget the trend." Five little pigs. Okay. <laughs> okay, Agatha. Well, Stephen I'm... King has written a number of children's books under a pseudonym. Really. Yes. Was he as coked out as he was <laughs> when he wrote? Uh, no, I, I believe this shit? was. I believe this was well, well after uh, New Age King. Well after his cocaine addiction subsided, Look, he had already written Misery and gotten it out of his system. Cocaine can't be all that bad. The man wrote a book. So man wrote several <laughs> books on cocaine and directed a movie. If you ever want to see, I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you ever want to see what a man on high on coke looks like, look up the trailer for Maximum Overdrive, the one that Stephen King himself presents, and you will see a man high on cocaine. <laughs> man. Oh, Cocaine's God. pretty cool, isn't it? It's a hell of a drug, I'm told. <laughs> I've heard people could have the power to move entire couches on it. <laughs> yes, yeah, couches of several flights of stairs and and the TV uh, that they could not lift the next morning. Uh, totally, you know, just hearsay. Obviously, I would have no first-hand knowledge of what any of this is like. Um, just like I have no first-hand knowledge of what it's like to have a daughter, like Bill Murray has a daughter in On oh. the Rocks, starring <laughs> Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. It's a movie about... Uh, a, a woman who's stuck in a rut and her husband's traveling a lot and her father's convinced that he's having an affair on her and uh, hijinks ensue and it, it it's uh it it looks like a Woody Allen movie honestly but it's it's uh Sofia Coppola I don't know if she's related yes. to uh, Francis Ford Coppola or not I'm I'm almost almost positive she is 
as I understand. I suppose it. I can look that up right now. <laughs> um, yeah, this this also has Marlon Wayans in it, uh, so it looks pretty cool. But like, I don't know, it just had a weird vibe with me. Like the dad was trying to like convince her daughter that uh, convince his daughter that uh, the guy's trash. Maybe he is. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet, so he's trash. But it's kind of like. Uh, he's trying to set the good example for her and, and be like, this is what you should be, what you should have in a husband and what you should expect, which is a good, eh, not all that bad, but I mean, like, it, usually that stuff is, like, said before you find your, their husband. I think um, the the general premise here is that Bill Murray's character is a scumbag. Uh, so he mm. he knows a scumbag. It takes it takes one to mm. know one, sort of thing, I guess. Gotcha. Uh, so and he doesn't want that for a daughter, obviously. Yeah, even though not. even though he's a, a jerk. But okay. I mean, he's a scumbag. Doesn't mean he can't be a wonderful and caring father. True. True. He can be a scumbag. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. It looks good. It's good to see Bill Murray in another movie, and uh, it looks like it has some good wit in it. I don't think it's going to be like a falling off my chair haha movie, but I think there's going to be quite a bit of japes, goose yeah. and gaffs from Bill Murray, which I'm, uh, I'm, I'm this, happy to see that, to be honest. This isn't the first time that uh, Miss Coppola, who is in fact the daughter of uh, Frank Coppola, uh, has worked with M- Mr. Murray. Uh, they, in fact, did the 2015 holiday special, A Very Murray Christmas Together. Uh, that's on Netflix, presumably still. Uh, also, work together on Lost in Translation. Interesting. So they've actually they actually have quite a bit of history. Cool. Together. So I was not aware of that. My thing about all this is, I didn't see the trailer. So the thing that's running through my head is Coppola sounds like. Um, that's what it was. I was. It sounded like a food item, and I thought it was a cheese. But I realized that Coppola sounds like Capricola, the kind of ham. Capicola. Capicola. The R is is not pronounced, at least not in the Bostonian dialect gotcha. of English. Capicola. Sophia Capicola. Eh? Get yeah, a, it's not get a sandwich a nice, unless you got Capicola on Get it. a nice hoagie with some uh, provolone. provolone. Got some salami, some More Capicola. That's how you do it. You get you get your you get your ham, you get your salami, you get your Capicola, you get your provolone cheese, you get your pepperoni on there, and you put some Italian dressing on it and you got yourself a sandwich. Boom. Ba bing ba boom if you want a little spicy mustard, a little zest go wow. There you go. Jake channeling every every bit of Italian he's got. <laughs> I feel I feel it like through my blood. <laughs> the blood thickens hey! and becomes marinara sauce. <laughs> I got spaghetti over here. <laughs> Somebody touch him my spaghetti. It was it was Stephen. It is uh it is not a conscious effort that my fingers are now uh, like this now just I, I can't move them back I have to let that subside. It's like a spasm. It's a it's, it yeah up. it's a spas- it's a reaction of my blood turning to marinara. <laughs> just locks it up. Lock, locks it up nice and viscous like a mama made it. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so let's follow up on some of the movies we talk about in Trey Watch in our uh, box office roundup segment we call The Follow-Up. Uh, number one movie in America this week is, or for August 14th through 16th weekend, uh, SpongeBob movie, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. Uh, they released it that. into theaters, 300 of them, in fact, and it brought in a uh, whopping $865,000. Wow. Oh, God. Uh, what? What is Q? Oh, wait, oh, do you Q guys not know? Oh no, I I read I read as uh, I saw the headline. I should. Say. I feel I'll like be... we should make. Wait, I'm sorry. I, I typed it out. Movie? I I asked these guys if we should talk about cuties, uh, because it's going to be in the news all this week and probably next week. It's I don't want to talk about it too much. Only just a cursory mention because I want it to pass. Because this is it's total. Oh, it's a fucking load of weird marketing like yes, clusterfuck the, the, controversy. The French movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I did. I did hear about that. Sorry. So this was a French movie built about coming of age, um, and the standards we place on children today, and how they're like you know um, portrayed in an adult manner, but inadvertently or inadvertently, the marketing manager at Netflix made a super grody uh, poster that uh, miss basically mismarkets the entire movie as some weird kitty porn thing yeah. and there is massive massive like backlash outlash outrage well all it takes rage is like you cage simply, you simply just rage compare planes it to the and French automobiles poster, um, and the French poster is just uh, looks like a different movie, and yeah. it it more represents, I think, the the goal of the movie, which is that coming of age, that um, you know, young girls trying to uh, express themselves and and find something that they are talented in and and have fun with, um, and and I mean that's what the, the cover is. They're they're walking down a block. They're Shopping or whatever. This is normal clothes, and they're shop- it looks like they're shopping, you know, shopping for outfits or whatever. Um, and look background, I mean, they're dancers. Uh, and then the American Netflix poster is just them on stage in like the toddlers and tiaras, pageantry, yeah, onesies, and, yeah. And it's like instead of that portraying the movie as like their coming of age story, like finding their passion, expressing themselves, it's a Little girls on stage twerking. Little girls. Little girls. Half naked little this girls. Most, this is the most actual, like, little little girls moment. Little girls. Yeah. That we've Jake was had. very disappointed to learn that the movie was not, in fact, about that. A little bored. <laughs> a little bored. Time for my parody movie. I'll fund it. I'll so, find a way. That's all I want to say. There's controversy. I don't want to contribute to it too much. Yeah. I've already said quite enough on the subject. Let's leave it and let it die. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. Otherwise, the dead don't die. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a French. It's a French movie. They they have very lax uh, standards on that sort of thing. So it's just all. <laughs> of course you do. Um, Let's continue. So anyway, the SpongeBob up. movie Sponge on the Run, number one movie in America this week, three hundred theaters, eight hundred sixty-five thousand dollars. He doesn't twerk in this one, right? I 
God, I hope not. Um, no international release, surprisingly. All domestic thus far. Uh, Unhinged, number two movie in America, Fat Russell Crowe. <sighs> Bringing in six hundred and one thousand dollars in two hundred ninety nine theaters. There's just that one theater that's like, nah, no, thank you. <laughs> we had a COVID outbreak and um, after the SpongeBob movie. After the SpongeBob movie, we had a COVID outbreak. I heard that kids are like super. They're like bigger carriers. They carry higher viral loads. Oh, you're telling me that kids with questionable hygiene practices are more effective at transmitting diseases than adults? <laughs> I was actually Hi, just Mom. talking. I was actually just talking to my friend about that. Yeah, there, yeah, about the study that came out that was like kids who are hospitalized have a higher viral load than adults. And I'm like, yeah, if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. Kids are more resilient, so it takes a lot more COVIDs <laughs> to get them into the hospital. Uh, higher degree of Rona. Higher <laughs> higher Ronas. I, I I put it in terms of M and M's. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it takes a lot more M&Ms to get a kid sick uh, to get him into the hospital than it does for an adult. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, but Like you're, a, a child's Im- immune system is the French during the Napoleonic Wars, mm-hmm. whereas my immune system is like the French during the World Wars. There's secret resistance, <laughs> which I barely see. <laughs> I'm my like immune that. system I'm deadly vulnerable. My <laughs> immune system is like uh I don't know, just name a nation that's never successfully been invaded. That's my immune system. <laughs> the Sentinelese. Madagascar. You're 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 a North Sentinel Island. Remember yeah, that missionary sure. who went in there and everyone's like, No, we're not gonna oh, get yeah. you. <laughs> You, oh, yeah. fucked, well, all the people are like they're in the bronze age or some shit because they found yeah, a boat. they're still like uh they have native tribesmen who are uh you know i don't know whatever your opinion on it they're they're very against any sort of colonization i don't i guess i don't blame them considering what, what every other tribal colonization nation doesn't work through. well for the people being colonized generally <laughs> yeah so they're pretty staunch about this shit and uh as a result no one goes there Really, what no if, one. A missionary tried uh, once, a couple times, and every time a missionary goes over there to try and convert them, uh, the world government at large is like, no, I'm not going there. You're dead. Uh, good luck. What if What if we eventually go there and they all just have, like, zoons? <laughs> That's where the zoons went. That's where the zoons went. Some, there were some, some really conquerors send blankets, we send zoons. Microsoft was just like, we don't need these. Fuck no, it, no small pots blankets. It's COVID zunes. Honestly, those the last couple models of Zune were much better than any iPod Apple ever put out. Uh, yeah, but no one's actually get a Zune. <laughs> I, I knew people with Zunes. <laughs> I knew people with Zunes. I did too. Um, I thought about getting a Zune. Oh God. Anyway. Unhinged is a Sorry, spotlight unhinged. film of the week. It could be no other film. It truly could not. Yeah. Um, unhinged currently sitting at a surprisingly high 6.2 uh, out of 10 on IMDb uh, with a more predictable 41 on Metacritic. 
uh, indicating mixed reviews uh, on the, toward the lower end, mixed generally negative. Uh, but fuck all that. They don't. Professional critics don't know nothing about no, no Russell Crowe gaining a hundred pounds. You gotta go to the streets, and the streets is the IMDb user review section where we find the true insight as to whether a movie's good, bad, or, or, or somewhere in the middle. Uh, I'll begin because uh, Bauer's Apprentice, Apprentice is spelt wrong, uh, <laughs> has, has a strong positive opinion on Unhinged. 10 out of 10. Perfect in every way. <laughs> Russell Crowe's depiction of a MAGA supporter's reaction... <laughs> There's no apostrophe, by the way. <laughs> when confronted with truthful facts, is incredible in this movie. The only thing missing is a red cap and Twitter updates about how all of what is happening is because of fake news and the radical left. Physically and mentally, Crow plays the perfect part of an angry, short, phallus Republican down to a T. Aside from yelling racial slurs and having an inter-family relationship with his sister, the film is accurate in every way. Two out of three people found that helpful. <laughs> this, oh my God. I, I, this sets the tone, really, for the whole, con the, the whole review section because I have about five that I have to choose from, and they are all, they're all gold. But I, I have to, like, I'm spoiled for choice here. I'm spoiled for choice, too. I got 14 one-stars. Well, I'll tell you who disagrees with that 10 out of 10 because IMDB 020-643-129772 on August 5th said not worth your time. <laughs> At the first 10 minutes, you start thinking that the heroine is stupid. <laughs> no, I start thinking that heroine's fucking great and is a good high. Um... <laughs> Then you start thinking that everyone around her is stupid. Then you start thinking that the police are stupid. But, in fact, the story and directing are stupid. I wanted to leave the cinema, and the only thing that made me watch this till the end is that it's hell hot outside. <laughs> the trailer for this movie is better than the movie itself. 27 out of 46. Found that helpful. Hell hot. <laughs> hell hot. Sure is. Hell hot. Sure is, my guy. Um, hell, hell should be hot, yeah. That, that tracks. <laughs> I want to give uh, a shout-out. Again, I spoil for choice. I want to give a big shout-out to Field78's review. It's a 5 out of 10. Um, it is six paragraphs. It's a fairly in-depth review. It's called Unhinged Adjective, meaning unbalanced. A lot like this movie. And he has this big old fucking in-depth analysis and 57 out of 83 people found it helpful a lot of people read this one this is probably a, a good one but i'm not gonna read it on the air because we have always we have fucking snob reviews review five out of ten talk about white problems <laughs> i'm gonna read this preach. shit instead preach brother i'm often stalked by a uh, a homicidal fat man <laughs> hashtag white people probs <laughs> there's no doubt that unhinged is the most what the fuck rage-tastic popcorn flick we've seen in years but can this film get any whiter read my thoughts below 
In this thriller, a woman's confrontation with an unstable man at an intersection turns a random traffic encounter to a target of rage. Upon leaving Unhinged, I felt conflicted. Why conflicted? Because Russell Crowe hasn't had a monstrous and solid role like this in years, and Karen Pistorius also delivered a hefty performance as the woman on the run trying to protect those around her. Both performances were good. On the other hand, while watching, I couldn't help but think, can this movie get any whiter? Here's a white man pissed off about a traffic altercation, chasing a white woman because she didn't apologize to him. Talk about white privilege. Chill out, dude. Yes, there's more to the entire story, but in the end, it's all about a traffic altercation. There's no denying that Unhinged is pure popcorn entertainment with a B-movie feel, but it's ultimately ridiculous in a real world. Follow at Stop Media for all reviews. Zero out of four found this helpful. So would it have been better if if the, the chaser or chasey were, were black? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, dude. I don't I don't understand how how race has anything to do with that review. <laughs> how do just, we take color out of movies? Can we just like is there a tool where you just Yes make uh, everything look color. the same? Uh, that's, yeah, that's so you just you just hit S on your keyboard in Adobe Premiere and you crank that slider down to zero. Kind of want to, kind of want to see some movies where that were like supposed to be racist. No Jake, I, I want you to read this review when it comes time. Okay. Oh. Um. Okay. So uh, David underscore Royce has a rebuttal. Uh, nine out of ten. Submitted August eighth. Intense, brutal, and unforgiving ride. A little dose of duel, a little sprinkle of falling down, and a splashing of red eye. Updated for 2020, but still with a 90s feel. A great little popcorn frill will get you back into the cinemas and forgetting about COVID for an hour and a half. Russell Crowe is frightening and disturbing as a guy having a really bad day. Karen Pistorius plays the young mother who triggers her own day from hell. If you're if you're after a taut standalone thriller with some decent shocks and no CGI, this one's for you. One out of five found that helpful. I bet you there was CGI. We just didn't notice it. There are no real colors in movies anymore. I was told they're all CGI. <laughs> okay, so I got, I got to give a uh, honorable mention to uh, this. Who, who said that? Gout. Gaudy Lee, I think. Gaudley. Got a bad Gaudley. case of the gout. Gaudley. Gout lie. Um, he gave it a two out of ten. Uh, so it was not awful, but like, <laughs> eh. um, not worth. Sorry, not worth the time to see it. Only thing worth your while is to guess how much weight. Crow. Crew. Crew. Crewway. Crew. Crewway. Uh, I don't know how to. I don't know how to pronounce that. He. <laughs> I instead of an O for crow <laughs> has gained. You are warned. Five, five out, out of 12. twelve. Okay, for my actual one out of ten, which created this uh, interesting idea in my head. Worst crow film ever. One out of ten by Haley Dixon. I mean, some of the crow sequels were pretty bad. I, I that's that's tough competition. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm wondering how many crow movies has this guy seen, or gal, uh, 
you know, are there are a lot of Crow movies. Are they good movies? There are at least three. The first one was good, but then Brandon Lee died, oh. and then it wasn't, just wasn't right. But like, what about movies about crows, like The Bird? <laughs> you are mean there the, the birds? The bird. Like, are there more? I groaned as much as crow, spelled like the bird, did in this movie, and I think my cringe bucket is overflowing. <laughs> Was that a line break? Please I like that, that as two break. lines. It's over. Cringe over. bucket overflowing. <laughs> Bad acting, predictable, unrealistic, poor continuity. I couldn't wait. For it to end. 21 out of 40 found this helpful. My bucket is over. Flowing. Gonna blow you away. Why is it flowing? Why is your bucket flowing? He needs to get that flex seal. Stop that leak. Stop that. That's damage. a lot of damage. Finally, we have Denise 99445's review. 6 out of 10. And all Karen had to do was say, I'm sorry. So because Karen couldn't bring herself to say I'm sorry to the fat man, now let's see, we have five dead and one badly burned brother. And while we're talking about Russell Crowe's weight, only in Hollywood can an A-lister male actor become almost unrecognizably obese and still be able to headline a movie. But poor Kathleen Turner gains weight and gets old, and Hollywood is ready to ask her to turn in her SAG card. All in all, the movie was mindless fun and gave Russell Crowe a reason to overact. Three out of five. Can we really point to starring in Unhinged as evidence that a A-list actor can get really unrecognizably obese and still have a career? I mean, this, for all intents and purposes, is like one of those red box. This is like the fanatic. Like, can we say John Travolta's really headlining movies as Moose? Here's Moosey. I want to see. Oh, so what? What other movies has he been in? Also, it's actually kind of funny. Um, what other movies actress, has Russell Crowe been in? Uh, uh, like recently, I want to see like oh. how much weight he had to put on. Like, I want to see, true history of the Kelly Gang. Okay, I think maybe. the last thing I remember him being in was uh, like the 2011. I want to say Robin Hood, and he was still in pretty good shape at that point in time. But yeah, a long way from his gladiator days. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so he's still portly in uh, True History with the Kelly Gang. He's got a bigger beard in it. Uh, it's actually kind of funny, though. Did uh, that review call the the main actress uh, Karen with, like, a K? Like, as in, like, the stereotypical Karen? The actress's name is actually Karen. Yeah. With a C. Yeah. What's your friend? So there's your number two movie in America. The tax Collector in the third spot. Uh, bring in $182,000. The rental in fourth, bring in ninety-three. Uh, Peninsula, hanging out in fifth. That's actually up a spot from last week. It was in sixth. Uh, $79,000. The silencing opening this week in sixth. Uh, movie better. A formed hunter living in isolation on a wildlife sanctuary and becomes involved in a deadly game of cat and mouse when he and the local sheriff set out the track. A vicious killer who may have kidnapped his daughter years ago. 90 minutes of fucking uh, around the woods. Here we come. Yep. Uh, the Big Ugly uh, remains in seventh, made in Italy. Goes up a spot in to eighth, despite losing 
nearly 40% of its gross. Uh, Spree opens in in ninth, uh, making 20000 Uh That movie is about a, a thirsty, thirsty for a following. Kurt Kunkel <laughs> is a rideshare driver who has figured out a deadly plan to go viral. <laughs> That's a that's a bad word, isn't it? It has cool. to be. <laughs> what that is sounds it? like it has a large num a large density of umlauts. Uh, there are zero of them actually. They edited them out for for safety. Uh, oh. And then opening in tenth is American Deep State. For the first time, American people see the possibility that elected governments have to follow rules sent by Washington D.C.'s bureaucratic institutions. From 1963 JFK's assassination to 2016 Russia collusion conspiracy. So this is a uh, documentary, I guess, about the deep state. You know, it makes sense that the, the, the conspiracy documentary would do very well in the COVID restricted theaters. I mean, it's Think about who would, who would go out to a, who a movie. Oh, but in, in five... Oh, jeez, in five... Fifteen thousand dollars in three theaters, though. Oh my God, that's probably five thousand dollars per theater. Oh my God, that's so many. People. I found out what a kunkel is. I don't think Urban Dictionary results count. I mean, I don't know that they count, but they I mean, count. like in a movie like Spree, I feel like they're valid. The movie's called Spree, like Spree. I think like the candy. Yes, yes. I like spree. the I like spree candy. They're all right. It's, they're like worse sweet tarts. They're very hard. They're yeah, very they're, hard. I have I have like a couple of chip teeth, and I attribute them to spree. Um, right down. On let's a let's move on to gaming news, shall we? Because uh, we gotta yeah. we gotta plow For through sure. this segment. Because I got a I got a game review that's gonna be lengthy, and then we gotta talk about cartels. Uh, the Marvel I groan every time I hear that movie name. Marvel Avengers Open Beta starts August 21st. That's today. Uh, or it will be yesterday, as many of you will hear this. Um, all of you, actually, because this won't release until <laughs> Saturday at 3. Except um, for Jake's girlfriend. She'll hear it ahead of time. She, yeah. I'll... I'll, I'll Jake, give me her number so I can <laughs> email her. Give her the, the promo. Shoot her the promo. <laughs> the hot take. The hot takes of Jake. Hey, there's a segment. I like that. Hot Jakes. Hot Jakes. It's hot takes from Jake. That will definitely get me in trouble. Anyways, continue. <laughs> when has that ever fucking stopped you from saying anything? Um, no, that's it. Uh, if you want to get in on the open beta of Marvel's Adventures so you can complain about how the game... The game doesn't feel polished because, you know, it's in fucking beta. Uh, <laughs> you can do so. This doesn't look like the movies. That's a, uh, I mean, that's an actual complaint that the fucking the characters don't look like they do in the movies. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, the officially licensed clone of the Xbox Duke controller is $20 off, meaning you can pick it up for a cool $49.99. Uh, made by Hyper King, but uh, Hyper Ken, but officially licensed by Microsoft. You can get yourself the uh, replica Duke controller if you have gorilla hands. 
or know a gamer who has gorilla hands. Or, <laughs> or if you want a, um, a home self-defense system yes. and you don't feel like buying a shotgun. Or, it's a lot cheaper uh, than ADT knife. security. <laughs> you just wedge it under the door and they can't get in. <laughs> and failing that, you can just up. beat him with it. <laughs> it's like a it's like a mace it's like a flail that's, the, that's the real whoosh. yeah it's just a morning star <laughs> <laughs> oh you need a license for that <laughs> that's the real reason they redesigned it it wasn't because it was difficult to use it was because they were getting sued from all the murder victims <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they needed. There was a lot of accidental deaths based off the Duke control. <laughs> Duke we learned a couple control. years after Xbox came out that uh, Bill Gates was actually a Knights Templar. <laughs> he was in the Crusades. That's why he, you know he wanted to harken back. To Bill Gates was in the Crusades. <laughs> he found That's the right. chalice of youth. <laughs> he drank from the Holy Grail. He chose wisely. That was back when Windows was stained glass. <laughs> <laughs> That was the first Silicon Valley. <laughs> Still very white. I would love for that to be like a redesign for like a, like a Windows, I don't know, 11 or whatever. Windows Crusades. Windows Crusades. With stained glass. I'm pretty sure that's just Temple OS. <laughs> Temple. Oh, God. Um... Speaking of operating systems, uh, Linux founder Linus Torvalds uh, never a man to mince words about how he feels about something, uh, wished a painful death on Intel's AVX 512 instruction set. <laughs> <laughs> and in response, Intel's uh, Raja Kadori has offered a defense of it in the face of the questions from PC World's Mr. Lovely Gordon Ma. Uh, it's okay. I'm going to stop that. Uh, hold on. Let's see. Back in July, Torfhold was hanging out in a forum spread speculating on the potential absence of the AVX 512 in the upcoming Intel Alder Lake platform when he chose to call out the feature and called on Intel to start fixing real problems instead of trying to create benchmarks that they can look good on. At Intel Architecture Day this month, uh, PC World quizzed Kadori on Torvald's comments, to which he responded by saying, AVX512 is a great feature. Our HPC community, AI community, love it. Our customers on the data center side really, really love it. Uh, for context about the gruffness of one Linus Torvald. He sounds like a Bond villain. Fucking hilarious. Uh... He once, in response to uh, patch notes for an update of the Linux kernel, said that some of the people suggesting these patch notes, uh, some of these people suggesting patches should be retroactively aborted. <laughs> and when Shit. questioned at a college, uh, he gave a co uh, talk at a college and he was questioned about that. He's like, no, I don't mind you bringing that up. I could see how some people would find that to be a little abrasive, but I was raised in a culture that's a lot less concerned about being politically correct than America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Jeez. 
if you if you ever have some spare time, look up Linus Torvald interviews. Uh, they're great. He's never won what? the mince words. He, in fact, uh, on stage in front of a large like audience, uh, said "fuck you" Nvidia, <laughs> and what the camera up. Yeah, it's not surprising, but it needs to be restated that uh, weird eccentricity correlates highly with programming skill. I don't know if it's even eccentricity. I think he just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just, I, I think, like, I guess notoriety and, and, and we, you know, social, like, bluntness, I guess, like you said. Because I'm thinking of, like, fucking John McAfee. Oh, Mac- John McAfee, yeah. John McAfee. Man is... who's fucking allegedly done some pretty crazy shit in his life. Dude fucking lives like fantasy villains live like you know and and as we said the fucking temple os that, that entire thing yeah holy shit yeah if so you, if you, uh, when you i've plugged this before but if you ever have like an hour you want to kill uh there's a channel on youtube called down the rabbit hole and they did a whole episode on temple os and the man behind it and his it's a fascinating case study on what legitimate mental illness looks like. Like, I, apparently computer coding is the closest we have to the study of the Eldritch Gods, because you do, you look too deep into the Kodosphere and you just go insane. I saw a video on uh, YouTube. It popped up in my recommendations for some reason, probably because I was watching Linus Total World interviews. And it's like how, uh, how code is submitted and reviewed at big companies and it's it's a it's a junior engineer typing some code and he gets an error and he's like what the fuck and he deletes a section of the code and it works and he's like i have no idea what i'm doing and he sends it to the senior engineer who's working from home and he looks over it and he's like i have no idea what i'm looking at and he just writes back looks good to me (laughs) (laughs) that's how mtgo is developed (laughs) yeah for real. No, that was that was the most Italian program because that's all spaghetti code. Yeah. God. Uh, the, Here, let's the, write fifteen years of exceptions for for new fucking patches. Oh, God. They were right. really they were students of the Got Gotta Catch 'Em All school of programming, which is so named after the first generation Pokemon games, which were programmed in such a way that if an exception occurred, the game would ignore the exception. <laughs> As long as it possibly could before the, everything locked up and crashed. That's how you get things like missing now. <laughs> the game corrupts itself. Um, so have you heard of the game uh, Fall Guys? Uh, I have. I got My it as a birthday present. Uh, so I, I wanted to... Every now and then there's like the, the occasional game that everybody like everybody plays yeah i don't know why it's so hype and this probably this might be one of them i don't imagine this like becoming Fortnite level of popularity but right now everybody's playing it every streamer you name it they're all playing it um but they did something really cool um their character designs are very simple and they have uh skins you can either buy or win um and i think what they're doing now is they're trying to like kind of sell their platform by brands being like, design a skin for me 
to promote my website. And the way they're doing it is by something with a, they're calling it Battle of the Brands. And they're uh, having people donate to a charity called At Special Effect, uh, which is a UK-based uh, gaming uh, charity where they uh, help serve uh, kids with like disabilities, um, try to game, and you know, I think I've seen a lot of videos where they create special game pads and stuff like that, um, so they can play. They, you know, so it, it suits them and their disability. Uh, and it, it seems like a really authentic, really cool thing for them to do. And they're and uh, Mr. Beast obviously jumped in there and started throwing around, oh, do one based off my company. Uh, I donated $100,000. And he's just trying to top people. Um, and I think the latest one was uh, Ninja, who donated $420,000 $420,069. So $420,069. Funny. Which is haha. Yeah. Haha, ha, um, meme, meme number. Yeah, but they, uh, I don't know. I think it's a it's a cool thing. Uh, they have a, a lot of brands who are donating to this uh, obviously pretty cool charity that the person believed in. And uh, I was just scrolling through some of their Twitter page, and uh, they're 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 pretty funny. The the fall whoever owns the the Fall Guys thing is a a memester. It's probably why he got so popular on Twitch. Yeah, he knew how to market it. Might have yeah something. Yeah, I think his marketing game is certainly on point. Uh, yeah. uh, NVIDIA C- CEO Jensen Huang uh, hypes up the second half of 2020 as it will be the best gaming season ever. Uh, we're two months into the second half of 2020, and uh, other than Fall Guys, uh, I'm not quite sure what big games have come out. Slim pickings, kids. Oh, we got a decent Halo 3 port. I mean, Cyber <laughs> We don't get 20- Halo Infinite. <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077's coming out in November. Unless oh, it's delayed. We should have. Infinite yeah. did get delayed to 21. There is one game that doesn't even have a release date. I am hyped for it, though. Uh, we saw a teaser for it. Uh, it's Bomb City, or, yeah, Bomb Rush Mega Funk, or Cyberfunk, I believe. It was Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. So, this is a 15 sec. The only reason we're commenting on this is because it's related to our interests. So it's like a 15-second teaser of... Uh, so Team Reptiles, are work, they're working on a new game. The last game they worked on was Lethal League. And they're just going full Jet Set Radio. Um, so the the meaningful difference is that they're not on skates. They they just run. They still You still get to grind and do all the fun stuff and probably do graffiti and there's a cool track and naganuma's on the he's on the soundtrack and it's all hunky dory but i want so we didn't mention in the last it's been out for three weeks and i somehow didn't realize it yeah even though that's like me either it is basically the spiritual successor to the game that we both love and uh we would if i you know i am now clamoring for it long yeah. story short yeah, I will cling to these 15 seconds until another trailer comes out. Yeah, especially uh, with uh, getting Hideki Naganuma to do the soundtrack. That's that's big. That's huge. Um, and so, if nothing else, you know the game will have kick-ass music. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's not coming out this year. Yeah, no. Uh, Bethesda 
has provided a disappointing update on the Elder Scrolls 6, and the update is they have nothing to update you on. <laughs> uh, they've got nothing to to say on the matter, and it'll be, a, according to Pete Hines, it'll be a long time before they have anything to say. Uh, they're still working on Starfield, which will come out first, and then uh, that's still, quote, a long way away, so... Just, wow. just uh, do the fucking No Man's Sky thing and just don't talk about it. They can't... And then just come out with a game. They can't take resources away from the PS5 and Xbox Series X ports of Skyrim to focus on Elder Scrolls 6. It just can't be done. Come on now, guys. Come on now. Uh, lastly, Hitman 3, the third installment in the rebooted Hitman franchise, which has changed publishers and developers twice already, or once already, I guess. It was uh, Square Enix, and then it was AO, IO Interactive. Uh, but IO Interactive is making this one as well. It's set to release in 2021 and will be an Epic Games exclusive. Uh, we don't know yet if it's a timed exclusive like Borderlands 3 and several other uh, exclusives have been on Epic. Or if it will just permanently be an Epic exclusive. Um, no information on that. But uh, at least if you want to play it on release, you will have to purchase it through the Epic Game Store, which, honestly, not really that big a deal. I I was a little annoyed today when I cracked open my physical copy of Doom Eternal <laughs> and was greeted with a cardboard cutout with a code that I had to redeem through Bethesda.net and use the Bethesda launcher to install <laughs> But hey, it was thirty dollars cheaper than than the oh. Steam version. So what the hmm. fuck? How is any? Jeez. How much? Like I, I just think anything is thirty dollars cheaper between versions, and I. Just, it was twenty nine ninety nine. Uh, I bought it through GameStop, but apparently it's that price on uh, Bethesda.net regularly. Uh, oh wow! And on Steam, it's still fifty nine ninety nine. It was on sale for twenty nine ninety nine last week. And I wanted to scoop it up then, but I forgot about it. And then when I checked again, it's back up to 60 bucks. And I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> so I bought 20 bucks worth of games on my Switch and Doom Eternal through Bethesda.net. And uh, I think that was money better spent than just getting Doom Eternal. I'd say so. So I have yet to crack that into that. I actually, I, I will confess, I've never finished the campaign to Doom 2016, so I kind of want to do that before I play Doom Eternal. Mm -hmm. I did. It, it's a, it's a good run through. I'm it's close. Fun. No, like I, I yeah. was, I was like two levels oh, away, okay. and then I just stopped for a long time, and then I picked it back yeah. up this week. I think, I think that's what happened. Uh, there was a big gap period between, well, like when I started playing it, and then I like, I think I upgraded my computer, and I'm like, oh, I bet it's better now. Yeah. It was. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm, I'm jealous. I kind of want to play Doom Eternal because I I kept on watching uh, gameplay of it and it it looks really fun and a little bit different than the 2016 version. Yeah, I figure I gotta play some games that actually came out in 2020 so I can 
you know, accurately award a game of the year for 2020. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a responsibility I have for the show. Yep. I'm just going to pick one I haven't played yet. Um, and then just award it game of the year uh, forever. <laughs> what is this, Mario 2? Yeah. Super- All right. Speaking of sequels, uh, I played and finished Half-Life 2. Uh, I played it. I started it last week, and I I, I finished it on on Monday. Uh, so Half Life Two owns a world record. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Do you, do you want to take a guess at what world record it, it holds? I have no idea. Is it hilarious? Like a, a hilariously telling world record? Well, I'm... most most amount of things falling on your head. In the game. It is the highest rated shooter of all time on Metacritic.com, having a score of 98. Near perfect score. Uh, knowing this and having played the game, I just have I have one question. Why? <laughs> this game is terrible. It is. It's not even like I. It's not even a situation where it's not as good as everyone claims it is, it's it's just not good. Like, the last four chapters are the only good part of the game, and just as the game's getting good, it ends abruptly with no, like, denouement, no falling action. It's just climax, end. Game's over. Go home. Play play episode one and two when they come out in, in several years. Uh... And I, I just can't understand why this game's so beloved. And I looked at videos. I looked at old forum posts. I'm like, is there something I'm missing? But I felt like I was taking crazy pills because a lot of the shit I hated about Half-Life 2 was, like, stuff people were like, oh, no, this is, like, the great things. For example, there's a level very early on in the game called Water Hazard. And in Water Hazard, you drive a fan boat through the level and uh i have to issue a just the sincerest of apologies to everyone at bioware who worked on mass effect one and programmed the mako controls i'm sorry i gave you guys way too much shit because apparently vehicle controls are hard Because Half-Life 2's vehicles control like ass, even on a control. They're basically undrivable with a keyboard and mouse. I had to switch to a gamepad. And even then, it handles worse than the Mako. Hand to God. Because uh, in Borderlands 3 and other games, you know, they have the sense that when you get in a the vehicle, they pull out to a third-person perspective because it's easier to steer that way. But uh, okay. Valve says, nah, brah, we're going to keep it first person the entire game because immersion. Uh, but the consequence of that is you can't fucking drive this fucking fan boat. And uh, as you're going through this level, which goes on for goddamn ever, it's like a two-hour level where you – the whole level is this. You drive the fan boat. You have to get out to clear some obstacles. You have to kill an enemy or solve a bullshit physics puzzle. And then you keep driving the fan boat. And I played this for like 90 minutes or maybe it was like an hour and a half. And then I reached this checkpoint where where like you get out of the fan boat, 
you meet up with other people in the resistance and I'm like, okay, that's it. I can move on with the game. I'll pick it up tomorrow and, and I'll have the whole game ahead of me. Uh, but no, that was just a checkpoint where they put a gun on your fan boat so you can fight back against the, the helicopter that's following you. And then you have another fucking hour of the fan boat. <laughs> People praise the pacing of this game. That's one thing that I saw consistently praised for this game. The pacing on this game is fucking dog shit. It's not good until the final four chapters. <laughs> and then the game ends. So here's the game. You start in City 17, which is admittedly a very interesting place that I would have liked to explore. But Valve was like, nah, only 20 minutes in there. We got to get on with the story, which is super contrived and retcons the story of Half-Life 1. There are characters that were supposedly in Half-Life 1 that weren't actually in the game. Uh, they took two, they updated two of the character models of the myriad scientist NPCs that were recycled time and time again and like oh this is dr eli vance and and dr kleiner you know remember them right and like no because they didn't fucking exist in the first game <laughs> here's barney calhoun you remember him yes actually because gearbox made a game starring him called half-life blue shift he's the only one that actually exists alex she's a character you know right no She's she's new to this game and new to the continuity, but she's Eli's father. Apparently, you were really close with with Eli and and Dr. Kleiner, despite having only worked at Black Mesa for a month as a research associate. But let's let's ignore all those plot details because we gotta we gotta set up this game. Half Life Two is basically a protracted demo for the Source engine that they slap the Half-Life license on to sell more copies. And somehow people think this is the greatest game ever made. It is not. It's not even the best game of 2004. Fuck, it's not even the best first-person shooter of 2004. Halo 2 came out like three weeks before Half-Life 2. Much better gunplay. The gunplay in Half-Life 2 is piss poor. There's no... Enemies don't react to you shooting them. The, the fucking sound effects and and peripheral like bullet spray and stuff just isn't there it's the most unsatisfying feeling to shoot these guns and in a first person shooter that's 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 a big component of the game in a pc shooter basically the game is you click on a guy until it dies right so clicking on that guy ought to feel pretty fucking good <laughs> but it doesn't in half-life 2 the gun designs are so uninteresting there's only one alien weapon, despite Earth being occupied by an alien force. And they had the audacity to have this alien weapon shoot bullets! Regular-ass bullets! Why? Why does this alien gun shoot regular fucking bullets? Because that would be copying Halo. The Needler didn't shoot regular bullets. <laughs> And the Needler first appeared in a game three years before this. Oh, but the physics engine. Kurt, the physics are so good. Yeah, except for the fact that the game arbitrarily decides which objects are and are not physics interactable. Wait, do the bullets use physics? No. So they use hitscan. 
Well, I mean, they, they're projectile mapped. I don't think they're hit scan. Enemy okay. AI might be hit scan, but um, there's there's no like Coriolis effect or anything with bullets. <laughs> um, geez, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, the gunplay fucking sucks, and the enemy AI is worse than it was in Half Life One. Uh, physics objects are arbitrarily deigned which can be interacted or not and I saw someone in a defensive half-life to say oh it innovated so much because it had destructible environments no it fucking didn't you can't destroy anything you throw a grenade under a car if it's not deemed a physics interactable car it won't even move when the grenade detonates much less be destroyed I don't know if I don't know if Battlefield was out at that time, but I I feel like Battlefield was big into the interactable environment for a long, long time. I think one of the first Battlefields might have been. But you know what game also had a very robust physics engine? Hitman. Do you wanna know what year Hitman came out in? Two thousand. <laughs> the gravity gun is a cool piece of physics engine, but you know it it really is is hindered by the fact that you can't use the physics objects to creatively solve problems because Valve only really programmed in one solution to the puzzle. So if you're clever, more clever than the developers, just fuck you, I guess. It's not Deus Ex or Hitman where there are many different ways to solve. Pretty much any way you can think of to solve the puzzle is valid. No, we, we got one specific way we want you to solve this puzzle. So... So have at it, friend. And we, we give you really no clues on how to do it, so you're going to be spending a lot of time just wandering around looking over every area for the one thing you missed to, to continue on the puzzle. And this is the first 10 hours of gameplay. It's the loop of poor first-person shooter section, vehicle section, plot dump, poor first person shooter section vehicle section but then you return to uh in the middle there there's ravenhold ravenhold is actually kind of a fun level it's it it's sort of a survival it does its best silent hill or resident evil 4 impression for this section of the game and it and it's a wonderful masturbatory like look at our physics engine look at all these physics traps you can interact with throw a saw blade with the gravity gun cut off a zombie's head oh zombies by the way did i mention there are more types of zombies than other enemies in the game combined no there are five types of zombie enemies in the game if you count the head crabs there are like Five other total kinds of enemies in the entire game other than zombies. Why? I don't know. Because zombies were cool in 2004, I guess. Does this uh, have anything to do with how the AI doesn't react to you? Perhaps. I mean, they don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit. I just think it was poorly programmed in a tech demo for the Source engine that they slapped the Half-Life license on to, to sell some more copies and put together this fucking convoluted pro plot that's basically, hey, the aliens have come and it's 1984 now. That's it. There's, there's hints that there might be a greater story, but much like the X-Files, there's really nothing that the writers know that you don't. 
and they dangle that story progression in front of you like a dirt farmer dangles a carrot in front of a mule, but you get the stick. You don't get that carrot. You're never going to get that carrot. Now, Kurt, I have a question for you. What's that? Would you rather fight the combine in this game or fight a combine on a farm? I would rather fight the combine on the farm. (laughs) I think that would be a lot more interesting and engaging than fighting the combine in this game. Um, So my only interaction with uh, Half-Life is watching some Half-Life Alex gameplay. Um, And one of the things that I noticed was that one of the uh, uh, puzzle things, it was like unlocking chests and like unlocking doors and uh, getting through obstacles was a little repetitive and it was like oh great I have to unlock another fucking cabinet using this weird hand mush- machine <coughs> was there that same kind of uh, 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 fuckery tactic in, in, in Half-Life 2 where that's it was like repetitive Half-Life 2 was yeah like repetitive <coughs> tasks that you have to do just to like open up the door by doing this yeah yeah. Basically, you had to like find whatever interactable and and put it in such a way, or find mm. the handle, the pole, find the switch, whatever. It's like the same six different kinds of puzzles interspersed, and they they're in there purely to lengthen the game, from what I can tell. Uh, all the most of the chapters are entirely too long, especially the vehicle sections, which just go on and on forever. Looking at you, water hazard. Um, like <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about because I, I one of the random YouTube videos that I watched was a Half-Life 2 speed run where they mess with the, the physics engine and it like propelled you forward and you didn't take fall damage for some reason mm-hmm. and I remember that level and even in the speed run which they're going like 90 miles per hour through the level it was a long level I was like, holy yeah. shit. Why? Like, they're still on, like, the thing where they're in the boat? Yeah, that's how I felt fucking playing it. Yeah, <laughs> when I stopped for so the I... night and it was still the same level. <laughs> it was wow. just too much. So, uh, yeah, the greatest game of all time had me bored for the majority of it, which... Most of the criticisms that are levied against Half-Life 2 are dismissed by Half-Life 2 fans with one rebuke, and it's, but the game's fun. Except, the game really isn't that fun. Like, the pacing, the, the story isn't that compelling, and the pacing is such, the way it's designed is Valve wants you to go and explore all the nooks and crannies of the map, but your mission is kind of urgent and oh my fucking god if i have to see one more fucking greatest gaming characters of all time list include gordon freeman i'm gonna lose my goddamn shit gordon freeman has no character all he does is what other characters tell him to do he doesn't say anything i get he's a silent protagonist but he's really just something you slap on box art and Boy, howdy, do they milk that fucking joke that he's a silent protagonist when the elevator of Alex, man, a few words, huh? Ha, 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 mug for the camera. 
And then in the end, when Dr. Breen is like, name one thing you've created. Can you even do that? I thought not. It's like, oh, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, Gordon Freeman doesn't talk. Oh, yeah, you really got me good. Fuck you, Val. Fuck half. This series is so... I mean, Half-Life 1, actually, looking back on it after playing Half-Life 2, Half-Life 1's a pretty good game. I would say maybe play Black Mesa because it's a little more in tune with modern design sensibilities. Uh, and I've heard Half-Life Opposing Force is really good. I want to play that, actually. Uh, but Half-Life 2, for being one of the greatest games ever made and having a near-perfect score on Metacritic, is one of the least fun times I've ever had playing a video game. Uh, I would not recommend it. Watch a story synopsis if you're really fucking curious. If you really want to, if you bought your Valve Index and you want to jump into Half Life Alex and you enjoyed Half Life One, uh, don't play Half Life Two because Half Life Two is is nothing like Half Life One. It's everything you liked about Half Life One except none of the things you liked about Half Life One. So just watch a story synopsis. There's not a whole lot of story. Uh, you can probably just skip the whole thing because it's bullshit uh, apparently episode two is the good good half-life two episode one is just i don't know if i'm going to play the episodes if if i get enough requests to do so i'll do it but i kind of just want to move on from half-life because i've these they've just been g- generic first person shooters that i i don't understand i mean like i can kind of understand half-life one but I don't understand why Half-Life 2 is so beloved. Um, I know a lot of people Maybe. are going to be upset with this review, but that's my opinion. I played the fucking game. I evaluated it for what it is now and what it was at the time. And quite honestly, Doom 3 and Halo 2 were better first-person shooters that came out that same year. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 came out in 2004. Much better game overall, different genre, so I can account for taste there. But even if you're into shooters, again, Halo 2 came out that year. Doom 3 came out that year. You had better choices. Well, Kurt. Yeah, I'm wondering I'm wondering if part of the 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 love the the love for it comes from the fact that the story was never ended. Or or never like tied up from what I understand. Like Half Life Three, like was wanted by a lot of the community to finish the story, but they're never going to get that. I don't think Steam will ever release, uh, or Valve will ever make a, a Half-Life 3. So here's the thing. Even uh, if they ever made Half-Life 3, they're never going to resolve a story because they don't have an idea on how the story ends. They just mm-hmm. keep throwing in more and more bullshit. Like, it's... It's exactly like the X-Files. They, they like, hint at a greater overarching story, but when you get down the brass tacks and you look at the story that's actually in the game, like, if you go on the Half-Life wiki or whatever, yeah, they'll fill in with fan theories, and it'll be this rich tapestry of story, but mm. Valve is not that good at writing stories. They really aren't, they, and they're worse at ending stories. So yeah. like the from what I from what I got Half-Life... from Half Life Alex, the story wasn't like like anything. Wow, it's it's you rescue mission to save your dad, and that's pretty much all it is. So I never, I never really understood uh, the hype for it. 
technical difficulties. All right, I think we got him back. All right, we got him back. Okay, good. I was I was oh about to text what y'all. What was that? That was that was a weird spotty patch. Let me that tell you. That was scary. Yeah. Uh, um yeah, so uh I you've warmed my house. You've toasted my corn. You've fracked my natural gas with that hot take. Um I think uh, I would. I, I think we gotta just like this needs to be its own little segment. It's gonna be its own video. We'll put a fucking big red arrow pointing at Gordon Freeman's crotch, and we'll say the truth about Half Life too. Why it sucks my balls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'll be I you am, like screaming at the camera. I am considering. Then uh, we might work like production in to like make it less of a solo project, but I'm considering moving my game reviews to the YouTube channel exclusively simply because uh, I'm writing more notes as I'm playing these games and they're getting longer and I want to do a good job, but I also don't want the podcast to be six hours every week. So... Because <laughs> we're going to dedicate a full half hour to cartels. Oh, yeah. believe me. It might be in the best interest of the show to move those to our YouTube channel. Uh, we'll... Uh, discuss that amongst ourselves we're supposed to have bi-weekly meetings we need to get back on doing that um <laughs> I, I just I, I looked up the, review, uh, a steam description i, I looked up the steam uh not the review but like the about this game and just the one blurb about it like just the intro to like how it is it was like god damn <laughs> they misled a lot <laughs> Just about like, like two of the main things you hit on, like the interactable environment and the reactions from the enemies, uh, like they touted in this, but uh, not where the player's presence actually in the game. affects everything around them, from the physical environment to the behaviors and emotions of friends and enemies. The yeah, one, it's called a video game. The one thing I will give Valve credit for is the mocap faces was a big breakthrough and it took a long time for other studios to catch up to uh the expressiveness of the characters in half-life 2 it's a shame gmod today it's a shame that uh what they were expressing was just nonsensical bullshit but i encourage you to play it for yourself and if you are someone who really in loves half-life 2 and thinks it's one of the greatest games ever made uh talk to me on our discord server i'm 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 serious i'm not tr sell me on half-life 2 i really want to know what it is people love so much about the game but from what i can find it's basically just oh it was so hyped you you, you don't understand you had to be there it was so so big and so hyped but so was duke nukem forever and people generally derided that game even though it's not as bad as people seem to think it is but it's not great either. You you can have games that are hyped and be disappointments. No Man's Sky, hyped to the gills. Disappointment on launch. It's actually okay now, but it wasn't for a while. So mm -hmm. yeah, try to sell me on it. Tell me what it is you love so much about it. I'm open to have a discussion. I'm an open-minded guy. Uh, but 
Half-Life 2 is a, a bad sequel and a send 6 out of 10 at best game. Mail. Send us fan mail at our email address, saturnstuds at gmail.com. Yeah. All right. So that's Half-Life 2, a, uh, a bad sequel with a, uh, a bad protagonist, much like Cartels. Cartels. Bad sequel to something, I'm sure. I don't think it's actually a sequel, but... It's sequel to the rest of Steven Seagal's life. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, It's Cartels, uh, everyone. With a bad protagonist. It's just Cartel. Yeah, I really thought, honestly, it, this was just Seagal in his everyday life. Just one of one of Ooh. his many, many jobs. Holy whether crap. it's a, like a Russian ambassador to Putin or a carrot farmer <laughs> in like oh. Ukraine. Uh, just the many jobs... Uh, is a deputy sometimes. I really think you can make like a children's book, just named like Seagal. Mr. Seagal's Seagal many Seagal adventures. Many hats. Yeah, many hats. Mr. Seagal's Mr. Seagal. irreversible condition. How? So that's my first question upon finishing this movie. Um, so just in sum for this movie, how? Like, what condition do you have to be this out of shape? Like, he gets winded walking a flight of stairs. Not a, not even a whole flight. He walks a half of a floor of stairs and is winded in one scene. He gets winded during his own lines where he talks during scenes. He, like, the man cannot finish a sentence without having to pause for breath. He is... Yo, every- he, is he may be obese, but he's not like my 600-pound life. How how do you just have this poor function? Because you Steve, eat like every... you just eat like crap, and you don't. Yeah, move I enough. don't. Be- I don't believe you can sink this low with just junk food. You have to be on like yep. a, like an anti-soylent slurry, like every all the nutrients that soylent provides. Like it has to be going out your ass. I don't know. We've seen him with a carrot. <laughs> do every time he opened his mouth, I was like. Oh my god, read your lines better. <laughs> well, you see, like I said at the beginning of the show, he starred in seven other films that year, and I'm pretty sure they were all like films around the same time. So he's he's reading the script for the first time in those scenes. That's why he's always looking down. He's looking at the script and he's reading it reading it for the first time. And he got he's got to be on a different set in 10 minutes. He ain't got time to emote or give a second take. He's like, all right, what character am I today? <laughs> Gotta get... Uh, um, and then you, you see him in the action scenes. you know you still have ethics. <laughs> you see him in the action scenes, and it's one take, but it's uh, like 10 different cuts. It's like the fucking Taken cut. Taken editing. I because will give I... Oh. credit where it's due. I'm a fair man. The fight scenes in this movie that did not involve Steve Seagal were pretty good. They weren't bad. They weren't bad. Yeah, I, I think I think they I've were. Seen worse. The, the one, um, the the one, the I was gonna say Russian, but there were two. Uh, the bald. I think he's balding. Yeah, the the bald, the more bald one. Uh, he was he was pretty decent. He was hopping around, booping, uh, hopping around. Seemed very yes, lively. yes, the bald one, uh, George Saint Pierre. UFC Hall of Famer, one of the greatest mixed yeah, martial really? artists of all time, was pretty well, look, good at I fighting. I don't fucking <laughs> care if he's the king of Siam, eh? 
Yes, well, yes Jake, you've broken news here on our podcast. George St. Pierre is good at fighting. I had no idea. I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know fighting. George so. St. Pierre, one of the greatest <laughs> fighters of all time, and after watching his performance in this movie as as the the main antagonist, I can safely say he should make room on his mantle cuz that academy awards coming, baby. <laughs> you know, but he died, so he can't be that good. So just saying. All right. Hot take. Now at this point, Jake's take. I don't want to waste any more time talking generalities. We got to get into this movie from the Can start. Can we really uh, spoil this movie? I'm pretty there sure, are, like, there are there twists. Are, there are 90 other movies with this exact same plot. Like when you graduate screenwriter school, they give you like some genre Mad Lib books with with general like general scripts that you just you fill in names. And oh, is that locations. what you get? In- Wait, is that what you get when you graduate from film school instead of like what we got when uh, during our graduation? Those oh, goodie the, bags, the fucking Faberge sock with the fucking <laughs> a pea and honey, a pea and honey and, and a, a light cherry saver. tomato. Yeah. Yo, at least we got to walk the stage though. It's we did. It's fair. Did I? I do remember that. <laughs> But I cannot forget the fucking the streamers and the chandelier hanging from the fucking hula hoop. That's what this movie was. It was a chandelier hanging off of a hula off of a basketball rim. Just goddamn. Um. So yeah, just if you're, it's a the schlockiest of schlock. Um. I need so before we even see a fucking graphic in this movie, the first thing we see is the credits. Now, I don't know if y'all were paying attention, but there were three different fonts during the credits. There was like an Arial or like a like a um, a Calibri, like a standard, like, you know, block font for the for the actors and names. They're at like the actors and their characters. There was a typewriter font for the locations, and these would often be in the same shot. There are two blocks of text with different fonts. And then Cartels, the logo for the movie, instead of being in either of these, was in its own yellow, stylized, Flavor Town-esque font, which I never, we never saw again for the entire thing. It's just, yeah, it's just Cartels used, in bright they yellow. They the same font that the, uh, the Washington football team used for their temporary logo, now that they're not the Redskins anymore. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I knew. That's I even starting out. That's how I knew this. What this movie was gonna be. Oh, um, how I knew what this movie was gonna be was when I I looked at the the poster and saw Steven Seagal. I'm like, I know instantly the plot of this movie. Uh, all the all the action that's gonna happen. <laughs> so, but the uh, it somehow still managed to confuse me. First off, because, of course, everyone, not just Steven Seagal, but there, I think everyone was gumming their lines. Partially because all a lot of the speaking roles are, t- are told by characters with thick Russian accents, with cartoonish Russian accents. It is yeah. me in my Russian accent. Dorji Grozhevov. Don't you take the shotgun to the ranger. Tell Sears you don't go outside to the street. I built this hotel. I put this shotgun in the wall. The girl you want to fuck is my sister. 
Steve's gone up here. I'm gonna take no one time. saw that coming, gonna... apart from everyone who watched movie, because it was most obvious <laughs> twist ever committed to film. Now, guys, we're gonna take this position, and uh, I kind of want you to to stick together. He was very Stephen Seagal's so casual with his lines. He has no. It's not like direction. He's just like, we need you to tell them about this. He almost ad-libs his lines. It almost I'm feels that way. you should have called when the shit went sideways. And he uses... <laughs> you ever have a problem shooting ugly girls? Glad to know you still have... <laughs> no, I never had a problem shooting ugly Oh, remember that fucking... Remember that monologue? So, it's like how the movie um, ends, by the way. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> Oh, on, on a deadpan, awfully delivered line... Joke. What does he That's say? What they pass for a joke. I forget what he says. He says, "Oh, what, it's, the, yeah." The I've always did? had trouble. Sh- would you have shot her if you knew she was Khrushchev's sister or whatever? Salazar uh, Slytherin's like, daughter. He's like, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I've always had trouble shooting a beautiful woman, which is a callback to earlier uh, for reasons they felt they needed to have a callback. He's like, what if she were ugly? He's like, yep, never had a problem shooting an ugly one. He's like, we're glad to know you have your ethics. And then it cuts to him like he Heroically, lied about getting something from from Salazar oh, or whatever. Yeah, because they yeah. gave him a key for like five hundred million or whatever. But like, so yeah. the movie ends with our hero being corrupted by the by the yeah. cartel, getting heroically on his bike and riding away. Like he did a good thing. Um. So yeah, it's it's worth noting that the entire movie is framed. Uh, much like Artemis Fowl. Yes, as I a, did draw as that a, comparison as well. In fact, as, <laughs> that, that it's both a postmodern interview and a terrible movie. <laughs> well, it's actually, um, I also think it's um, uh, set up the same way as some Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Uh, let me, I'm trying to find, I, mm-hmm. I watched something after it and they were like, they even referenced the movie, I think, in this movie, which is like... That's interesting, because I don't think Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal get along at all. No, I don't think I couldn't do. imagine. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's framed as this... Uh, well, Jake's looking up the movie. It's framed as this like interview between Seagal and the main character, who... Um, who is a British man doing a very awkward American accent. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Uh, so the first action scene is the raid on the on the cartel. Uh, slaggy goes, Slagomov. Yeah, it uh, happens. It happens so quickly into the movie and goes so well for the federal agents. They just pretty much accomplished their goal with very little resistance or conflict. It was, I was actually kind of confused at the end. So first, uh, side note, there is a Ramirez in this. And as soon as I saw that name, like, I knew someone was like, Ramirez, get over here. <laughs> like, that's the most fucking, that's, that's Call of Duty level. I mean, that's where fucking, that's from. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they attack, and, like, I guess the, the boss had, like, a wire in his chest piece, and that's why he took it with him. And they're like, we have to extract him alive. Or something. They're very like they want to get. Let's get this bitch alive. Um, but then Steven Seagal walks in, and like and, you know, after like a little fight scene, he just like shoots the boss, and then he looks down. Like I was literally waiting for him to be like, "Oops, <laughs> oh shit, guys." Yeah. He like he looks look like kind of like dejected. Like, oh fuck me. Kill him oh, all. Kill, 
I've never seen this movie. Never. I've Apparently, heard of it. Apparently, um, actually, this came out in twenty. When you said Jean Claude so... Van Damme, I was picturing like young Jean Claude Van Damme. Jean Claude Van Damme. So it's like they they ripped off like a movie that came around on the same time. same year. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said. It's the Mad Libs plot thing. You get it when you graduate film school. You just fill in character names and locations. Obviously, there's going to be... I'm sure there's a dozen other movies with the exact same plot because it's all in the it's all in the Mad Lib. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they... I yeah. guess he accidentally kills the guy, but it did not. But not really. He was really being taken into custody by the DEA. But really, he wasn't. It was, but actually, like this fucking twisty turny bullshit that just, just confused me in the worst way. I was like, this plot is, it's fucking Swiss cheese. Yeah, it's rotten Swiss cheese. It's just it gaping holes, dripping. Yeah. It just with, with bad acting everywhere. It was it was thin. Uh, I mean, it's an action movie. You didn't come here for the plot. You came here for the action, and the action is, eh, it's not great. Oh, I, I mean, I came here for the plot because I'm terrible at discerning what's good action and what isn't. I just my eyes glaze over whenever I see an action scene start. So it's always weird. It's always a strange thing for me because I'm often like, oh, the action was all right on that. But that's because I wasn't actually paying any attention to what the fighting that was going on. I mean, to be fair, the action is is okay. Like, Steven Seagal, for being an actual police officer, he is hella awkward with a gun. Like, he just does not look comfortable. Remember that one where there was a shot where he's, like, holding a gun like this, and then he's, like... He like shifts his over to his other hand. Yeah. He's like, I actually, actually, I kind of, I kind of like it like this. Uh, okay. okay. And the gotcha. fight scenes that did not involve Steven Seagal were actually pretty good. I, the main character and the corrupt DEA chief, uh, that was a pretty good fight scene. Um, and then one of the more, the most hysterical thing, hysterical, most hysterical image I've ever seen. Uh, where Steven Seagal uh, wins a fight against George St. Pierre. <laughs> that was just pure ego for him. No, knowing that that guy is like a, a pretty At, decent fighter. A strong boy. 26 it, and 2 professional record. N- knowing that that guy probably can go toe-to-toe with me and uh, I probably still lose, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but knowing that it's, it's just funnier too it's like you know i i don't know did steven seagal have like any say in this movie did he he's a producer it? yes i don't he's think he makes any movies that he's not producing on i he's at the stage in his life where no it's one just, will it's cast all... him otherwise it's yeah. gotta be his own project yeah because like i he just also put himself in a situation where he's like infallible he can't do anything wrong. He's not going to get the shit beat out of him. Welcome to every Steven. Oh, the movie. And it's like, it just gets And obnoxious. he gets to sit for a lot of it. He gets to yes. sit down for a lot of the We movie. need to show you, Jake. Peter and I need to show you the movie he's in with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Where it just, the climactic fight scene. He barely fucking moves. It is just laughably terrible. Jeez, and I mean, he hardly moved for this one too. Other than 
allowing for the stunt double to come in and and do some of his uh trip. I don't when think they, he they, has when more camera... than thirty five degrees of motion in his hips. Yeah. If you dropped a so if you dropped to, a piece of che- if you dropped some Cheetos on the floor in front of him, it'd be a Sisyphean task because he can't resist that shit. I but mean... he can't bend down to get okay. it. <laughs> okay, now we're gonna move to the point where he picks up his gun. Uh, no action. Bring in his stunt double. Come on, let's get him in there. He needs a. See, Mr. Seagal cannot bend over. He has that little he and, That's he why and Russell Crowe were on the same Aikido diet. <laughs> and that's why it took 10 minutes into this movie before we saw Steven Seagal in the shot for three consecutive seconds of him on screen. Yeah. It's so... This was, this was something else. The thing that did it for me, I think, for the entire movie was like, all right, I'll... It's a low budget. Maybe the, Steven Seagal sucks at anything dealing with action. It's just the lines were so, and the writing was just, uh, who, it was so unnatural to listen to these people, if you can call them that, talk <laughs> to one another. There's mongrels I, just I've, creating sentence syntax. I think part of the issue stems from the fact that the majority of people in this movie aren't actors by trade mm-hmm. they're stunt yeah. people or uh professional fighters or steven seagal uh <laughs> none of them Man, actors <laughs> yeah uh like acting is at the bottom of seagal like he gets list. on the base to become part of the team and you just they just start running or some shit they they just start going. And it's like you you got to catch up. I don't care about your dumbass excuses. Welcome to Missouri. It's like what? And I was already thrown off because at the beginning of the scene it shows the time, and it says oh nine hundred hours, and then it shows zero nine zero zero underneath, as if we we didn't know what that meant. But if you don't know what that means, then you don't know what the numbers mean either. Like well, it's just super I mean, redundant. At least and then it shows them when they finish their run. Five hours later, like, they were apparently running for five hours. Like, that's a... Okay, fine, maybe that's a Special Forces thing. Sure, they can, you know, do a five-hour run. But, like... See, it, they they just took a half-hour running, and they're like, no it's, no, it's three in the afternoon now. Yeah. I feel like with 0900, a layman can kind of piece together that that's nine o'clock. Yeah. And then through context clues of it being daylight can discern that that's nine o'clock a.m. Right. Yeah, I think that's fine. It's like, it's like of whatever, all the dude. things that are wrong with this movie, I would rank that low on my list of complaints. <laughs> it's just so. That's, yeah, that's. It's just, but that's for me. Like that's the a fun stuff. That I didn't have like, a problem with. It's the sprinkles. It's a little rainbow sprinkles it, on top of this shit Sunday. The writing really did it for me. I, I think that's the my main biggest gripe. I mean, even the beginning. The beginning was like something where the like, that's the go word. The what? What's the fucking go word, my dude? Check. Yeah. Are you? Just say go. Just. Just say go. Just, just do tell it. Tell him to move the in. The fucking the worst writing for me in this movie was uh, when the DEA agents or whatever, like the chief is trying to hand off uh, Sergei Kravinov to the... And, oh, they zoom out on his Army hand at one Rangers. point to show his tattoo, but they never follow up on that. Sorry. And, is it the year of the... And dog? they're on the tarmac and and he's trying to explain to them why they have to like 
do this really shady bullshit. And it's like just the most awkward fucking exchange between two movie characters I've ever witnessed. And then, yes, the one they're like, the year of the rat and just going on and on about zodiac signs. I'm like, who the fuck wrote this? Steven Seagal, he wrote that scene. He's like, I know about this. I was like, did I miss something where, like, where like they the the army ranger whatever the no U.S. marshal I think yes. it's U.S. marshal I'm like did I miss something where he was like really big into like zodiacs or like did he did the Russian guy mention like the year of the something no, no they say oh, and I'm like they say. why is he bringing up year of the rat yeah, they tell him like people born the year of the rat whatever blah 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 and he's like well I'm a shark I'm like that's not in the zodiac <laughs> that's, that's not, it's not the in the zodiac. <laughs> I'm like, God You damn. could be a dragon or a pig. <laughs> or a snake. Or a fucking... Or snake. Something that eats rats. I don't know. A dude. bull. Any, God, any of them. Um... line. Every line that was written for this movie was n- nobody... There were no checks to the script. They just... It was all rough draft. Yeah. I, this was written and shot in the same weekend. <laughs> like, you can't expect... <laughs> yeah. Can't expect yeah. <laughs> pristine quality here. They gotta, they, they had, gotta get in. I mean, Steve Seagal's only got like an hour before he has to be on his next movie set, so they gotta get it in while the light's good. <laughs> I bet you they did shoot all of Steven Seagal's shit. In I one guarantee day. you, all seven of those movies were filmed on the same lot over the course of like a week. And it was a big hub, a big big thing because they're like okay Mr. Seagal's coming in today to do all his shooting it's like we gotta be on our best behavior and he I comes in on because his, it has the best craft he services he comes in on his fucking rascal mobility scooter <laughs> oh I was thinking he might come in on a Segway I could see that man on a Segway just being like no but that would way. involve him standing <laughs> on the rascal he can be seated Uh, he just pulls right up to the desk. He's like, I'm ready to start filming. The man is a cartoon <laughs> He just character. rolls right in on his rascal, straight to craft <laughs> services. And they're like, uh, Mr. Seagal, we have your scene ready for you. He's like, not until I have my morning breakfast. And he eats half of the craft service table. And he gets a little sleepy because he's in a food coma. And he's like, now I'm ready to shoot. <laughs> I think that's what he did. I think that's why his lines sound like he's about to pass out. Because he has a food baby brewing in his tum tum. Again. He looks a little bloated, too. I I gotta find that line, but there's one that just stuck out to me where he just, he's like explaining something. He's being really intense. And then he stops, takes a breath, and then peters out the rest of his line. Like, he loses all momentum that he was just talking. I'm like, you can do another take, Steve. It's just a line of dialogue. Every time he swore to... Oh, I, that like, rant where... Every time every time he swore, it really stood out to me. That, like, he was really putting a lot of emphasis on the fuck. He's like, every other word and was motherfucker in that one scene. Yeah. This motherfucking yeah, every thing other on word, the motherfucker. Like, I'm like, Steven, think of the swear jar. <laughs> it's like... It's like, I get it. Military people, they... They have that. You gotta earn that R rating, Jake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and uh, like, cause I, I have a friend who, whenever he comes back from training, uh, he usually is swearing like, uh, like a sailor who's just been. Yeah, you know, you know where that term comes from. 
sailors in the navy they swear a lot that's her, that's literally the origin of the phrase but it's not a, he's not oh. in the navy is he in the land navy <laughs> he's in the, the land navy. navy he drove a yeah. shavy to the levy but the levy was dry, was dry. <laughs> but he he like always swear like it's like and i have uh, other coworkers who are in the military because northrop uh and and they swear quite often they they get that that uh, but those flashbacks of of their training and everything like that. Vietnam, like, time to use my but sentence they, enhancers. But do they spread swears all over their sentences like Old Bay on so much crab bake? <laughs> well, that seems like what what Steven Seagal did because he he made sure that it was emphasized as much as Old Bay is on anything that it goes <laughs> on. It's like. Uh, tell me about these fucking people. <laughs> it's like, it's like, why is that? He's so... a very religious man, oh, it's like, so he didn't want to swear. Actually, face. so that's just ADR. They got some guy who kind of could do a Steven Seagal impression, but not really because they had to get the they had to get the printout to Hulu in in two weeks, so they couldn't find a good Steven Seagal impressionist. So they just got one of the yeah. sound guys to try and do an impression of him saying "fuck." Yeah. It's, it's just trash. There is. It's basically. You remember twelve rounds three? This was the Worse. same. Again, outline is that it's just here. Let's shoot in one location. Die Hard was good. That's a cool movie that was kind of like took place in one location. We can be Die Hard. No, you can't. You can't be Die Hard. Die Hard couldn't even be Die Hard after the first Die Hard. That's true. Right. It's it's difficult. It's hard. Die hard hard. Die hard uh, so for vengeance. Basically, uh, Ser- Sergei Brukmaninov, Gennady Tartakovsky, <laughs> is, is in his safe room in his hotel. And he's like, did you ever look into own the hotel? It was me. I own the hotel. It was my safe room. Um, I am but, the captain now. <laughs> uh, so he want, he's going to strike a deal as long as he kept his wife safe. But the underboss killed the wife so he's like fuck it i pull i pull shotgun out of my my fucking uh potted plant i don't i forget the name of the pot of like a office potted plant starts with an f not a fern ficus fern ficus yes i pull shotgun out of my ficus (laughs) pull it right out of my ficus (laughs) this has been my little friend has been waiting here for a long, long time. It's. I'm fairly sure that was a piece of pipe with a with a plastic binder clip on it. It looked bad. It, it was a crappy gun. The weapon design looked really um, bad. So they fight dudes in various hotel-related settings. There is a butler who smokes weed, and that's funny. And then he turns out to be part of the gang. What's a twist? Oh my god! Oh, again? Oh, my, With... oh, the butler. I need to. Wait, I need to take a moment to, to talk about this butler. Not only does he smoke weed, but I, I swear to God, he was reading his lines off of cue cards because he was staring off past the camera, and his eyes were moving as he was saying his lines very woodenly. <laughs> might I add? Holy shit! As if was... they were the first he time he's in... ever seen them. He was in. He was in two movies. <laughs> it was standout how bad that like even among the rest of the transforms he rivaled Steven with his performance. Just it was yeah. so it was entertaining honestly. Um, so yeah, he's he smokes weed, but he's a bad guy. So you know, 
Um, they continue to fight. They have fights in stairwell, fights in uh, kitchen. Um, people get shot. People get uh, choked out. Things happen. Grenades, uh, explosions, and then they're in a tunnel. Uh, they're in a tunnel, and the uh, Gorbin Gooley, Beef Stroganoff, suggests to U.S. Marshal Baldwin, uh, if you know, I'm I'm gonna go because I've got your your lady friend hostage. I've, I'm gonna pop her Botox if you don't let her go. And he's like, fine, fine. I want to kiss those lips later. That that surgery was expensive. Uh. So he goes, and then uh, the police come arrest him, and there's, like, there's this underlying theme of, like, he's not trustworthy, but you're like, he's the hero, so he's gotta be trustworthy, but it turns out that, um... He's not trustworthy. The fucking Stoli Vodka gave him a fucking mail key that was this small to fucking $500 million. I don't know what kind of safe you put that in, but that looks a lot like the safe I had when I was a little baby kid where it was one tumbler and you turn it to the right number. It came out and it, it had the built-in alarm, so whenever you open it, no matter who opened it, if you open it up, it made that fucking ringing sound. I never thought of that, but you're so it's right. A t- that is like a child's baby's first It's a key. TSA travel baby's lock first key. Safe. That, that's, yeah. that's the fucking key to my mailbox at Alfred. I... Oh, it, it looked it looks exactly like the key that we just got for our new uh uh like patio deck box. Yeah. It's literally that little tiny little shit that can be picked with a bobby pin you and could, a You couldn't no, fucking lock out tag off, out yeah. a goddamn broom closet with that key. <laughs> we got new lockout that's tag a, outs. That's a five S reference for all y'all yeah. out there. We got new lockout tag out locks, but they're like plastic on the bar, so I'm like I could just I could just break this off with my bare hands. This isn't locking out anything. <laughs> oh, neither is this movie is keeping out anyone from a horrible time. Yes, don't watch cartels. Yeah. I really don't have anything else to say no. about this movie. I yeah, or, there wasn't a whole lot of plot. Or do watch the it. writing was awful. Uh, it if you really are into like watching some Steven Seagal yes, cringe, if you are like Peter and I, like, and you've made it your life's mission to uh, chronicle the career of Steven Seagal, yeah. then you you're obliged to watch this. Like it's obligatory. Yeah, that's where I think this might this might hit home with people that the Seagal cringe, all cringe, <laughs> shit. Yeah, this is rough. But you know what's not rough. Uh, more of our content. You can check out our stuff at SaturnStuds.com. You can find links to our Twitch stream, twitch.tv backslash SaturnStuds. We stream usually at least Saturday, sometimes Sundays, uh, but Saturdays at 8 p.m. is our primary time slot. Currently streaming Doom 3. We might go a little bit earlier in the day tomorrow because wrestling is on uh that night and oh, we might yeah. want to watch that live but uh you can stay posted on our twitter at stud saturn and you'll know before we go live when we're going live and and where of, of course it's always twitch but uh previously when mixer was live it could have not been that uh but also on our website again saturnstuds.com you can find our youtube channel which has older VODs of our live stream on there in full 1080p, 60 frames per second. We only stream at 720p. 
Uh, so if you want high quality VODs or, or you've missed our VODs, you can go and find them on the YouTube channel and possibly new original content. We might be moving my game reviews there, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, the show can be found on every major podcasting platform. So please give it a review on your platform of choice. If you show us some love on iTunes, we will shout you out on the show. So please sure to rate us five stars or whatever you feel is appropriate. It doesn't have to be five stars. Give us your feedback. We, we're, we're, we're hungry to improve. Um, but I'm, I'm hungry for stars. <laughs> and only five will satisfy for me. Feed, feed Peter. You don't want Give him to starve. He's starting his Jake, that's diet. a great tagline. Can that be my new porn? That's my new porn tagline. Only five will satisfy. <laughs> Only five. Moderately sized dicks. <laughs> U.S. Five average. inches. That's all you need. That's just how deep it is. Um, yeah. So on that note, <laughs> that's all we've got for episode two twenty-five. Uh, be sure to check us out next week. So subscribe and rate. And until w- next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's nineteen ninety. Five. Peace. Bye-bye.